0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to The Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Jeff Booth is the author of the new book titled The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. In this conversation, we discuss inflation, deflation, abundance, ESG goals as nonsense, personal greed versus survival, the Weimar Republic, Bitcoin, and the old system versus the new system. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jeff, and I think you'll learn a lot from it. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Revolut. Back to the basics for a second. I've partnered with Revolut, a finance app in the United States and the UK that say they're the simplest way to access crypto. I believe them. They're putting their money where their mouth is, too. You can sign up today and make three card transactions, and you'll get $15. That's right, $15 for free. What can you do with the $15? You can exchange for Bitcoin or any of the other tokens Revolut supports. Yes, they are crypto enabled. These guys have made it easier to get some skin in the game. As usual, when you move your money from fiat to crypto, your capital is at risk. But go and check out Revolut and let me know what you think. You can sign up now through Revolut.com POMP to get a $15 reward and put them to the test. Again, Revolut.com POMP to get a $15 reward and put them to the test. Go check out Revolut and let me know what you think next up is exodus exodus has built the best most beautiful wallet i've ever seen exodus is leading the world out of the traditional financial system by building those beautiful and user friendly blockchain products with its focus on design and user experience exodus become one of the most popular and loved cryptocurrency apps it's supported on both desktop and mobile allowing you to sync your wallet across multiple devices so you can have access to your funds anywhere you can instantly exchange around 100 different cryptocurrencies straight from your wallet. Interactive charts let you view an asset's price history and your portfolio's performance over time. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with the Treasure Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Visit exodus.com slash POMP for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Again, exodus.com slash POMP. your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Last but not least are my friends over at Crypto.com. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell 100 plus cryptocurrencies. The Crypto.com Visa card gives you up to 8% back instantly and 100% back on Spotify and Netflix. Also, Crypto.com lets you earn high rates of interest on Bitcoin and other stable coins. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app using code POMP today. Again, $25 when you download the crypto.com app and use code POMP. You can download the app by going and clicking on the link in the description. All right, let's get into this episode with Jeff. I hope you enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang, I've got Jeff here with me. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Awesome to be here, thanks. (laughs) All right, we got a lot to cover. So let's just start with kind of the basics of inflation versus deflation. Um, How do you describe that to people?
1: I take a pretty simple outlook and I just say, inflation is when your money is worth less over time, Uh, goods and services go up in relation to your money and deflation is the opposite. Your money is worth more
0: over time and goods and services go down in value against your, your money. The entire world that we know today exists based on an inflationary system. So the money is devalued, meaning that goods and services, the price of those go up over time. It's pretty much common knowledge, right? And uh, also accepted by the majority that that is how the system should work. I think you've got a very different opinion. Uh, I tend to be sympathetic to your <laughs> view of the world, um, but maybe just describe like what are the issues with that inflationary system, and then why do you think that there's actually a different system that could be better?
1: Well, um, we've always grown. You're right. We've always grown up in an inflationary system, and it's worked well for the majority of population. Um, my parents. House went up in value. Uh, they paid back that debt with cheaper money than they earned more throughout their life. And so on that path, it sounded like a good thing. We were taught it in school. Inflation is required. Um, and and this is what some of the stuff that I explored in the book. But then that system is bumping up against technology. Um, so we've always lived in a system. We measure everything from that system that we're in. And then that system is bumping up uh, technology, wanting to bring down prices really fast, wanting to do and what does technology do, whether it's a CEO that puts technology into the company, whether it's you using technology, technology does more for less. Right. No CEO puts technology in their company to make prices go higher. They do it to give you more for less or to compete in, a, in an open market to to drive more value to you. You use technology for the same reason. And so when you add up what's happening with technology, bumping into this force of inflation that that is really man-made, created, created man-made inflation, that you, you ask, how could those two systems work together?
0: So and you have the technology being a deflationary force meeting the inflationary force of money and central banking. And now when they meet, you're saying one has to override the other. Okay. What is the um, legacy system and the people who are proponents of the inflationary system? Do they believe that the inflationary system will be the overriding force there? Or do they actually think that the deflationary force is greater? I, you know, it's hard to ask what
1: every single person uh, uh, wants or doesn't. But what I would say is most people are trapped in a system and they have no idea that there could be a totally different system that produces better outcomes they have no cl- clue because they live in the system they measure their house prices by the system they measure the food prices by the system they measure everything by the system and they and that system requires prices to always go up mm-hmm. forever in perpetuity um and because that system is built on credit and that cr- and that credit if prices start to fall would unwind and because nothing's backing the credit it would keep unwinding And so if you allowed deflation to happen in that existing system, it it unwinds to the ground. So you borrow money from me, somebody borrows money from you, and everybody thinks the other person is safe. But when it starts unwinding, it's just the counterparties move all the way, uh, go all the way to the sand, and there's nothing backing it. It's just credit backing it. And so credit in a deflationary system gets more expensive and can't be repaid. So that's really the, that's, that's really the problem with these two systems, but they're diametrically opposed. And so what governments are doing are they're trying to print more money, change the rules of free markets and become and centralized markets essentially to print more money to pretend that system still works. And so it has dramatic
0: consequences. This entire credit-based inflationary system, it's basically a confidence game. Well, to a point.
1: Okay. So, so again, let's go. It worked and it drove a lot of value to society for, for a long time. Yes, other countries, if you looked at the U.S., other countries didn't. It didn't work for and everything else. But with the with the reserve currency, it worked. It drive, drove a lot of value for the economy. It just it can't work going forward. Okay, and, what,
0: but, what what is the <clears throat> impetus or the kind of milestone that changes it did work but now it can't work so it always if if you go if you if you break
1: it down you and just ask yourself why do i want my money to get be worth less each year that, that that question kind of deserves an answer because i don't think personally any single person wants their money to be worth less each year but when they roll it up into a system they think that that's a good thing Mm-hmm. So, so first, but, but, so inflation is just a hidden tax. So, so governments don't want to tell you the truth about the services that you want and, and what they need to pay for them. So they hide it into in inflation. So, because tax rates would go way higher, um, without, it, inflation. without inflation. And so inflation is a hidden tax, but it's a hidden tax on the most vulnerable part of society um so it's it's a w for somebody like me with lots of assets it's i, I it's a windfall the debt gets less val- uh, less and the assets go up my rents go up on houses and everything else so it's a windfall
0: what, for, what you're describing real quick just for people who are listening is um there are if we separate a population let's say the united states. And we break it into 20%. So top 20%, next 20% all the way to the bottom 20% of Americans. At some point there is, uh, let's say the top 50% have uh, investable assets. They have non-cash, right? Where they store wealth. The bottom 50%, again, general number, they don't have that. And so all of their wealth is in dollars. And what you're basically saying is that when the dollars are devalued, the people with the assets are benefiting. It's a good thing, right? They, they're encouraging it. They're cheering it on. The people at the bottom, though, are actually having the exact opposite effect. They're seeing their wealth hit harder and harder with that uh, invisible tax and actually are becoming poorer and poorer.
1: And, and if it was 50-50, that would be one thing. But but the wealth inequality, when you look how bad it is, it's way worse. And it's people measure income inequality, it's it's wealth inequality. It's a, it's actually. What you just said, it's the assets. So just imagine you having one house and the house goes up in value and you're living in the house. Now you have two and somebody, but your, your neighbor has two houses and both go up and, and the rents go up. So somebody on the other side of the equation, the renter is paying a whole bunch more. Their, their money went down in value. Mm-hmm. Yours went up. Now imagine you're Blackstone and you have hundreds of thousands or millions of houses that you're renting to a whole bunch of people it's it's a massive wealth transfer to the to the rich um, and so the more you have more investable assets real estate stocks everything else that is a, just a staggering wealth transfer to the, risk, uh, uh, the rich but but again going back to it why do we need it Why why do we actually need inflation if you just go to the first principles and before we go into it won't work anyways, because technology is a stronger force. Why do we need it? Right. And and who says that inflation is required? Who says that you have to devalue your money mm-hmm. or hide taxes in inflation to be able to thrive as a society? Seems seems like that's worth a question or, w- worth, an an- or worth, a, worth an answer, and I don't see an answer for it.
0: What, what do you think their answer would be? Even so, if it's not a good one. Okay. So what I
1: know now um, is these two systems, because, because the system would fail spectacularly without inflation mm-hmm. and without, where do we go to? So, so system changes require something to move to. We'll talk about Bitcoin a little bit as well. But wh- what happens to, from the existing system? It, let's say you're in government pump. What do you do? Do mm-hmm. you just say okay? Game's over. Game's <laughs> over. Let's stop. Stop printing. Because if you do, every single bank collapses. Every single institution collapses. That there's chaos on the streets. As the as what should have happened a long time ago, kind of overriding free market force forces. It wouldn't have looked like this now. But now, because because governments have kicked the can down the road so so far that now it would be a complete and utter collapse, global, global, global collapse. And so it's, it's a, they're stuck, they're stuck in a corner, um, right now from the existing, uh, from the existing system. And, and I think what, what was happening, and this is why technology, if we go on the other side, the other system, what, what's around us all the time, and we don't know, but we don't notice how fast it's moving, is this technology impact. Like my phone, Used to just be a phone. Remember, it was only 2007 that the iPhone was that came out. And think of what you have for free on your phone today—from mm-hmm. photos to everything else. To it's—it's it's just all abundance, more and more for less, out of out of your phone. It's 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 everything now. It's going to be your AI device. It's going to be a whole bunch of things, and that that is a bigger impact going forward. So most of the so that what that sets up is you're in a in a macro deflationary and, uh, uh, world with government printing trying to stop it. But if you go backwards in time, it, you can see actually the evidence of what I what what I'm saying in, in time. So kind of when I wrote the book, there was 185 trillion dollars of of new money. So to call it stimulus, credit creation. To create 46 trillion dollars of economic growth over the last 20 years and what i think has happened is this we've actually not had we should have had with technology two or three percent deflation per year or disinflation per year that's what the natural course would have would have done and instead of allowing the natural course so your your things everything around you would be getting less and less expensive Mm-hmm. And 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 it wouldn't take as much labor, so you wouldn't need as many jobs to be able to do that as things f- fell out of price. But instead of allowing that to happen, because and it isn't not bad people, bad incentives on the existing system to kick the can down the road. We can grow our way out of that. So interest rates come down. We'll will create a bunch of money when we can't pay the money back. We're gonna we're going to print money instead instead to pretend we can pay it back. Um, and so that two percent co 3 percent natural rate of deflation that's moving forward is is being offset with with inflationary or trying to print money and so now you're out if you if you looked at <laughs> you're out here and the fall to where the natural market would look like it's getting worse it would would be staggering so and what that means is the further we go down this path because technology is not moving slower. <laughs> it's moving. So again, most of the deflation is in front of us. The further we go down the path, the further we kick the can, the more we kick down the, the can down the road and the worse the consequences are.
0: Is there a point in time or a milestone that you can't kick the can further down the road? Because I think most people generally think if they understand kind of even at an elementary uh, you know, level, okay, a lot of what we're doing with bailouts and inflation and, and this stuff is we're just pushing the problems further ahead yeah we're making it a little bit worse but uh at that time we'll address it you even hear the federal reserve at times talk about you know we're not worried about inflation in 2020 when if inflation shows up we'll deal with it at that point we have confidence that we'll be able to do that then is there a point where just there's no more kicking the can down the road and it's like kind of like d day like hey just we got to deal with it today and it's not pretty you you've heard gradually
1: then suddenly yes. Yes. <laughs> y- yes that's how markets that's how markets work and a lot of things don't I, I use that example in the book. I think we talked about it before, Blockbuster, 9,000 stores, Netflix, different way of, uh, a different market. And Blockbuster put candy aisles in their stores and had one of their best years because of the candy the year before they went bankrupt. So, it, it, and it's just, it was a, it's crazy, crazy. And you'd look at those executives in Blockbuster and you said, how couldn't they see it? That's what, that's actually the most important part. It is not. Typically, not bad actors, people trying to hurt you, or anything else mm-hmm. in this in, in the system. It is the system itself trying to do whatever it can to protect itself, and and you could put any different president in. You could put any different. The system itself is built in a way to 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 reinforce it, and the entire structure reinforce, reinforces that. So it requires a system change to get to the other side, and I and. And this has huge implications, huge implications for actually how humanity moves forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and because, because the consequence of continuing kicking the can down the road like this, it, it, it kind of raises up. You can see the homeless, you can see the people. So some people are hurt by it. Some people are helped by it. And it, and it, puts the electorate in a spot that will overthrow the, gov- uh, uh, the government. And, 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 and but, but again, overthrow the government thinking that it's a person. And, and, just and it's, it's just a consolidation of power.
0: When you think about um, the system itself, it feels very weird. That one, the people who are in charge of the decisions that get made with the monetary uh, kind of experiment, they are appointed, not elected. I actually don't know if that matters or not, if they would make any different decisions uh, or if there would be the disruptive candidate like uh, Trump was to American politics or whatever, uh, kind of the outlier. Or if it would just we would elect the person anyways because they worked at some bank and we think they're smart. But then also two is it's a very very small group of people that are making these decisions that affect 330 million americans inside the united states and whoever many else you know around the world that use the dollar as a gold yep. reserve currency but what you're really saying here is it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter. matter if they're elected or appointed it doesn't matter if it was five people or 100 people making the decision the system is the system and they're actually doing exactly what the system needs them to do to continue to perpetuate the system that we live in.
1: And and why we didn't see it as fast as before, why, why we never actually asked the question, is inflation a hidden tax or is it a tax? What, um, is because it happens so slowly in it, 20, 30, 50 years ago, it was happening slower because technology, people talked about demographics. They talked mm-hmm. about in economics. They talked about all of the other things about, Okay, supply chains are moving overseas, and and then that's disinflationary, or demographics is disinflationary, but we're driving inflation against it. But it's happening; it was happening a lot more slowly than what you would suspect would happen with technology mm-hmm. and the exponential movement of technology. I used this on your last show, but the folding of the paper fifty times and folding a paper on itself fifty times reach a, a piece of paper will reach the sun on fold fifty, and 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 on on Moore's Law, we're on fold 34. so and, and, and so you start to, you start to think, what does fold 35 look like? What is, when we think about self-driving cars and AI, and we're looking now historically looking backwards, and we, th- we think we're looking forwards on this exponential pattern, we're not. So if it required as much printing to be able to pretend the world's the system still works to today. What's it going to require going forward?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's just these two, two systems are incongruent together. They don't work to together. A new system is required for sure. Technology is not slowing down, um, and so so then you start to look into GDP. What's ask an economist to measure the GDP output of uh, uh, of all of the uh, all of the uh, uh, pictures you use on your phone. Like, think of what that's done for you and how many uh, photos you take and curate and edit and everything is self-edit compared to what Kodak and the, that entire industry looked like before. And it, or, or, or in a comments to measure, I, I used to spend, I, I, I remember spending 1999 for a record, right? a record <laughs> um, or then a CD. There used to be record stores and CDs. Now I spend $10 a month for unlimited music. These things are deflationary and they're all around us, yet we don't notice it because we're we're living in a system that's trying to eradicate those gains. And by the way, those prices I just said are with the inflationary impact. Mm -hmm. What would they be without it?
0: So- That's one of my big questions is, let's say that uh, there was somebody who was incredibly forward-thinking, incredibly uh, intelligent, maybe even came from the future, and they were running uh, kind of all central bank activities. uh, And they decided, you know what, I'm not going to play the game, right? I'm actually going to allow technology to run its course and go into this deflationary environment. What would be different about today if this had started in the 70s or 80s, right? Is it, one dollar would be able to buy a whole house like like literally the money would be so much more valuable and and therefore uh you would be able to exchange it for other assets is it that technology actually would be further along and our lives would look like the technology utopias that you see you know in sci-fi movies or just like like what would be different
1: well even uh keynes who's ridiculed and everything else today and and because a lot of his policies have been turned into what we see now can Keynesian, but he predicted in a 1930 essay, uh, the economic uh, possibilities of our grandchildren, that we'd be working 15 hour weeks by now. And, and again, technology saves time. It would, technology does more for less. And the output of that is you get more for less and your time increases mm-hmm. and, 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 but because that hasn't been followed and because we've warped monetary policy to be able to stop that, essentially we're creating slaves mm-hmm. right so a whole bunch of people on most wheels trying to to uh, to work harder and harder to get more share of the pie take take bigger bets more gambling in into economics too to be to to, to try to to try to outpace this devaluating uh, uh, de- devaluation of currency that system can go on for a long time so you asked about when does it stop it can Uh, I think people get confused and they think, okay, we're, remember the macro trend is deflation. That is what we should want. If we want an abundant future, that is what we, we we should want. The, the policy result is, is inflationary and people are going to say in the, well, these two systems are competing against each other. Everybody's going to want more handouts. They're going to want more money ask, trying to to try to get elected as a government saying, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn off the taps. Good luck, right? Suicide mission. Suicide (laughs) mission. And so you have to expect (laughs) that that'll that'll happen, but so will the negative externalities of those decisions. Mm -hmm. Those negative externalities, typically what happens is, is war and revolution and then a reset of a currency. That's if you go through history, that's what it looks like. Um, and and that path is that that's what that would lead lead to because the existing system cannot deal with where we are in technology today or the amount of debt to pay it back so it has to devalue it but but it can so so a lot of people think that we're going to go go into hyperinflation right now I disagree completely because the market forces and I know it looks like it right now because of all the printing before. And that, and that inflation can, unless printing is is moving up all the time to match the deflationary, uh, deflationary uh, impact of technology, is moving up all the time. So more and more and more, you're not going to, and then at some point you could break the currency and move into hyperinflation. But, but think about what's going to happen next year at this time. So lumber prices were up three times, housing prices are up and everything else. So next year at this time the, when they reference the rate if lumber prices aren't that high that's going to be more deflation. Right and they're going to have to print more to be able to make things go up uh, go up uh, go up higher. It's the whole system is a feedback loop.
0: Do you think that the Federal Reserve can stop printing in terms of where we are today? So coronavirus happens, there's economic uncertainty, right one moment Then there's kind of panic chaos, liquidity crisis, all hell breaks loose in markets. I remember explaining to somebody, March of 2020, there was literally days people were walking around and like zombies in New York City, right? Just like, what is going on in these markets? Fed steps in, central banks around the world, they print trillions of dollars, and it's all done from a, we are going to be responsive to the economic chaos, liquidity crisis, we're gonna do everything we possibly can to not only stabilize markets, but actually reverse the uh, fall of these assets, And head the other direction. They then decide multiple times in the United States since then, do it again in various forms, whatever. Their belief the entire time has been inflation wasn't going to happen in terms of high levels of inflation. We're getting increasing levels of inflation right now. There's a belief that it's transitory. Is there a world where they just say, hey, look, eventually we kind of run out of the impact of what we've already printed? We don't print anymore. And therefore, you know, we're kind of back to the nor- back to normal, or back to the old day. No, or is it just here we go again? they're going to print more later this year, and more next year, and more the year after.
1: So, so that's actually why you need to look at the trend line, or we should look at the trend line, and what what is what's technology telling us? What's the infl- inflation, or what's the policy t- telling us? And so, it, remember, if they allow deflation, everything unwinds, and the unwind would be severe, just like in two thousand eight, the unwind would have been severe, mm-hmm. right? But the, the the amount of printing required in 2008 to stop small it was 250 billion and what, small remember the marches on wall street and everything yeah, else and billion, billion. <laughs> it started at 250 <laughs> billion and it went to 800
0: billion and now we laugh at that number 800 billion it's chump change there's a scene I, I literally uh wish we should clip it at some point and just i should tweet it uh there's a documentary called panic and there's a documentary called hank Uh, and both of them involved many of the players in the, uh, financial crisis. And at one point, uh, Hank Hank Paulson, uh, I think is in panic is like, I knew that we needed 700 billion, but I knew I couldn't go in there and say that number. So instead I went in and said, we don't know yet, you know what we needed, but whatever. And he's like, kind of like laughing about it. I'm like 700 billion would be a discount compared to, you know, they just printed two trillion literally a decade later. (laughs)
1: and and then a bunch more mm-hmm. and and so what will happen this could stabilize things for a little not without the ex- negative externalities mm-hmm. um but then the next uh, the, uh, the, the next will cost way more it'll it, it has so to continue every
0: single time there's any sort of economic uncertainty or chaos or any sort of disruption in the market of just prices go up um it goes back to this idea of uh being addicted right the economy is addicted to the stimulus it has to have it and every time it needs a bigger shot of the stimulus in order to see the impact that it needs. And so you used to get tens of billions, you got hundreds and they got trillions. Eventually we're gonna get 10 plus trillion dollar stimulus packages in the future.
1: So 185 trillion over the last 20 years before before COVID, before when I wrote the book, produced $46 trillion of economic return globally. Now that now it's gonna take a lot more than that mm-hmm. to produce more growth. And the same thing is going to happen. In other words, it, it's just a shell game. Yep. So, so we've lost control of what the currency is, and and that that is forcing people to ask, wait, if you could just make up money at this rate, why am I paying taxes? Why am I? And 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 so it's forcing more people, and that's I think what's happening in Bitcoin too. It's forcing more people to take a deeper look at their understanding of how the game is played, mm-hmm. and 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 why is the game played that way? What, what, what is there? Some law, is there some physics law that, that requires the game
0: to be played like that? And, we don't, and then we realize, hmm, not really. <laughs> what's the new game or what's the future game that as people go and look at and ask those questions, they seem to be gravitating towards, there is a different way, a deflationary type environment that could be successful.
1: <clears throat> so that's what I think it is. And I, I think it's, that's the only way that's congruent with kind of humanity mo- moving forward. Um, and and i've and i've looked through all of the different kind of plausible outcomes on the other and i'm going to simplify this i think this is where we're at we're in a world right now which is most people don't realize it because they're measuring the system from the existing system and they think okay i can i i'm still okay i am i'm not as rich as that person but i'm still okay um and and so most people are living in this, uh, this system while the system break, uh, breaks, not realizing that it's consolidating control at, a, at an alarming rate. So when you, you don't, you either have two spectrums, right? Or, and I won't go all the way to probably if I was to, I'm going to simplify it, but there's nuance between here. You have free markets or you have dictators. Mm-hmm. And or centralization, and and through lots of experiments through history, we see how centralization ends in kind of the biggest thug. Mm-hmm. And so, if you remove free markets, you you tilt and you move on a path in a cascading path because people our short term bias, per, our own personal short term bias for most people's will will vote for the person that thinks they'll give them the most right now. And, and that central and that centralizes. So the great theme right now is, is we have centralized economies. And, and what I worry about is because this is the path we're on is centralized economies with, um, with AI and robotics and everything else that, that look pretty dystopian. Mm -hmm. If, if it's hard for people to rise up against dictators today in their countries. Can you imagine rising up against a dictator with drones that can- 20,000 robots. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and so, so and, 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 or we have decentralization and hard money that is a forcing function to, to let a, a free market or a more free market work.
0: When you think about that new world, one of the things that's the most interesting to me is in the old world abundance does not get passed on to the civilization in the new world you do this framing of deflation and inflation is antithetical in some way to what a traditional keynesian economic you know kind of disciple would de- say or even the mainstream media frankly where their belief is that you need inflation in order to get velocity of money. If you don't have velocity of money, you can't possibly have an abundant civilization. And so why do you think, and are likely right, that the deflationary environment actually creates a more abundant future rather than this inflationary one that needs that velocity of money?
1: So, so if we measured where I'm going to the, this, there's going to there's be chaos on the, chain, on the system change, no matter what. Mm-hmm. but the system change is coming no matter what mm-hmm. on as the system moves forward w- didn't when i grew up we wanted to save our money so we could buy more tomorrow
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if and if if i saved money and there was a an event uh, um, and everything prices fell i actually took more of the gains mm-hmm. right that's how an economy work, works. risk risk return. So today in the existing world, we essentially you have a no lose bet for, for if your hedge fund and everything else or your bank, you no nope, no problem. No, there is no consequences of bad actors versus a system that change uh, changes. But more importantly to, than, than more importantly than that is a lot of the things that we used to buy as things are being digitized. And those things, so uh, we use, use the example of records, use the example of, um, it, we can see that all around us, but it's just starting. So 3D printing is going to change complete supply chains and around things like this in this office, this table, everything else. And it'll be printed in your home. And it's really, all it is, is it's information that has been organized. Those atoms have been organized in a physical world. And that information is going to move from your head or AI into a 3D printer and it's going to be organized at your home and you're going to have abundance, um, in time that might take another 10 years. It might take another 15 years, but that is coming Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that the existing system can do to stop that from coming and and go up a level. The more they, the more the existing system kind of inflates, what would a rational CEO do if they can't, if they can't find, if labor is going up in, in price, and technology can remove that labor. Rational CEO right. is going to, uh, to, McDonald's. to, exactly. This is my favorite example. <coughs> yeah. They've
0: literally replaced some of the cashiers with touchscreens.
1: Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, but that, that's just start, that's just starting. And it, it, and, and by the way, why do they do that? It's not because they're bad people. It's because you as a shopper wouldn't shop there if they had to raise the prices to pay for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a competitive environment. So the, ince- the incentive system is is, is, is is right now the incentives are aligned to a broken model. And if the incentives were aligned to a free market model, you would see prices falling and you'd see you'd see your time increasing. The prices would fall so far, so fa- so fast and they would keep falling after that. So mm-hmm. and let's I often get the example or the question what um, what about a market that keeps really high margins? You have a monopoly that take, keeps really high margins. What do you think would happen with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs? You're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. If I saw fat margins and technology being able to provide better outcomes for people, that's the market I would attack first. Yep.
0: Incentives. Incenti- incentives
1: change it, every, everything. Yeah.
0: As we're watching this happen, forget Bitcoin and sound money and all of this. We already see technology is eating the world right? And, and it's happening uh, in a very real way, very measurable way. It's been happening for a long time. This is not a new thing either, right? It's just uh, in some weird way, the horse to the car was technology eating the world. Um, but what we do see along the way is what I will call the uh, pure capitalist with people who are interested in other things, right? So whether it's the ESG crowd, whether it's some sort of uh, climate change, whether it's some sort of uh, other thing that is not just pure economic incentives drive the world, free markets drive the world, let the system play out, and this is where we're going. Are they ultimately on the wrong side of history? And what I mean by that is not so much that their causes don't matter or their claims aren't factual in some way, but it's the free market is going to be the greatest referee or the greatest kind of driver of progress, not, you know, mandates and, and some of this other stuff. Like, how do you think about some of
1: this? So, no, that's, if unless you centralize everything. Okay, if, yeah. explain that. So So if you believe 12 people could control every, every interaction in the economy or, or the government you elect control everything and they will always do it in your best interest rather than their best interests then you should centralize. You should really want centralization. But what ends up happening is even if somebody, the more that Lord Acton quote, uh, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, the more power that somebody has over your decision-making process, the more uh, the more it's, it's a gain in power and a loss for you. And that, that changes, you know, once, it's, once it's concentrated like that, um, you'll lose everything. You will literally lose everything. So, free market isn't perfect, but it is the best system. It, uh, it is the best system uh, to, today. So, that is the the path of centralization. That's what it'll look like. And so, the people closest to the government, similar to what it looks like today, right, get more of the gains, and everybody races into the government to to protect that. If you look look at Russia, look at China, look at. Look at what they look at. What economies like that look like, and if you want that here, you'll you'll want centralization.
0: I forever have used an example of what is the difference between the person who uh, is the blue collar worker at a corporation who wants to move up the ladder, right, get more into a position of power for economic gain and and kind of the egotistical return on having control and power and all stuff, and a regular citizen who's essentially the blue collar worker equivalent. Who wants to then move up into some sort of position of government power, right? I mean, it's a very right. similar, similar type of of, uh, of mechanic. Now, as we go through this transition, there's this belief that um, centralization is bad. I think you and I both would agree with that. And I think history would suggest that that is definitely true. Uh, historically, there's been uh, maybe a line in the sand. The government was responsible for some portion of our lives, uh, whether we wanted it or not. That was just part of what they did. But it does feel like it is becoming more and more expansive in their uh, mandate, right, in their eyes. And so now all of a sudden uh, monetary policy is becoming politicized in in a lot of ways. Maybe it always has been and just wasn't so obvious. But is that the natural progression also of government power? Is it just kind of continues to creep further and further and further into your life? And history suggests that eventually it is essentially planned, kind of communist-driven or socialist-driven not
1: you know, not okay. not necessarily okay um but but on the trend where we are on a, on on unsound money when when governments have control over money and can inflate the, every, that's that's where it takes you because people always vote for for i want because this now. they need more they need it, more it, it's
0: not so much that they're even greedy it's a pure survival so thing. so
1: so think about this so should housing be number one? You'd ask. Ask over the last twenty years, the one hundred eighty-five trillion dollars. If you didn't, if you didn't increase, uh, if you didn't create one hundred eighty-five trillion dollars, how would housing prices be as high as they are today? Probably not. If you didn't print as much money recently, would housing and real estate look like it looks like today? The answer is no. It wouldn't. Okay, so a whole bunch of people won out of that bet. Now rents are a lot higher, and a whole bunch of people lost out of that bet. So a lot of the people that are demanding more money, I need minimum wage to go up. I need. Uh, I. I. I need free money. I need government subsidies. Are doing it because they can't pay the bills because government reached in and made a whole bunch of prices higher that they can't afford. And so so that's a, that's the kind of why you get once you start to get to this the system change, change you get revolution at some point um weimar republic the rise of hitler was a result of the very same explain thing
0: explain what happened in weimar republic
1: uh so uh world war one they couldn't pay their debts the u s uh u uh, k demanded re- re- reparations pay, pay back for world war one they couldn't pay. they went through a period of hyper uh, hyperinflation just print money to be able to pay back the debt in cheaper uh currency um Hitler started gaining p- power in that Beer. Pro- uh, he actually as a revolutionist. Uh, as a revolutionist. He he actually got put in jail through trying to overthrow the, the government in I think 1924 nineteen twenty four nineteen twenty five. Dawes Plan came in and said, okay, we're going to give you more time to pay this back and d- discount some of this from uh, from from kind of other other uh, countries, including the uh, U.S. and then. Th- and that fixed it for a while, kicked the can down the road for a while, and then 1929 in this in the states it started depression, kind of a global dep- uh, depression I, th- there as well. So now we go back to hyperinflation. So we print print more money. A whole bunch of people that and, and it looks ex- similar at a different at a different level than what's happening today, but a whole bunch of people are enriched by that printing. Mm-hmm. And then a whole bunch of people are hurt. killed by that, that printing. And so those people that are hurt go and look for a revolutionist that, and what does does that person do? Typically they'll blame a person or a group of people and say, it's not your fault. It's their fault. They're the reason that it looks like this and, and, and it's believable.
0: Mm-hmm. they've taken your freedom they've taken you for exactly we take, exactly
1: yep. and it's believable so so that's how that's how you have a revolution or system change and then hitler essentially changed constitution and everything else to keep power and we know the rest of that history i often ask why don't why didn't people as they saw these signposts similar signposts that we see today why didn't they leave why didn't the rich people leave germany and and the the simple reason is because all of their currency was denominated uh, there their their real estate was denominated there and 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 they didn't see the real tail risk was the social revolution and the revolution that was coming that was the tail risk and so they they stayed and they and 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 what are you going to do? You're going to you can't take your real estate with you you can't take your money you're not going to take suitcases of money with you on a plane so or boat um and so they get stuck, and that's and that's typically what happens. Bitcoin today allows a to, it's a little different. <laughs> you remember twelve words, you can move any, anywhere. You're not going to take your memory, and uh, and and so 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 I think even just this alone, with all of the science posts, before we get into why it's so so important, just if you looked at it through that lens alone, it is a must own asset it is a must own where what's what's going on in the world today
0: when you start to kind of unpack um, bitcoin itself how much of your excitement or even sympathy for the asset in terms of why you hold in your portfolio is economically driven from like a macroeconomics i have to have this to protect my wealth versus more of the social and political stuff which is if i need to move i can do it quickly if there's unrest if there's confiscation of assets all that type of stuff.
1: It's a super interesting question. I haven't asked that before. Actually, for me, i think i i lean more to bitcoin because because it it brings fairness and equity to the world. It brings it brings a free market free market forces that allow the abundance gained from technology to be passed to the broadest part possible uh, audience. Um that's my primary reason i don't need more money i don't need more anything like i just uh, life is good life is great um i love what i do i I, I, had tons of friends tons of like i love everything i do so so i wrote the book more because i'm living in this system benefiting from this uh, uh, benefiting from this system understanding that like i couldn't understand why prices weren't falling at the rate they should be falling when when all of the technology companies that I was building were pr- producing crazy returns for people, that's why people were using the are using the technology companies, and so I couldn't understand why that wasn't happening at the rate that it should be. So that's that's what I investigated. So for me personally, I'm in it more for the uh, uh, fair, fairness. When if I now put on my investor hat, when I think about. Um, how much is in Bitcoin? How much is in other things? My hurdle rate for an, for an investment in is in, in say a company is really high because because I know what Bitcoin's going to do. I know how I, I, or I believe um, I, I believe it's going to be I, I believe it's going to be reserve currency. I believe it's going to be a bunch more than that in, in in time, and and so I believe in in, in what that will do uh, for a return rate. And so I measure every other return rate, other things that I would invest uh, time or against that uh, against that placeholder.
0: yeah walk me through what does that world look like? Bitcoin is the global reserve currency. the central banks fail, they give up, they exist, then they just do a bad job. like how, how do you kind of see from where we are today? Walk me through maybe not a finish line, but just like you know 25, 50 years from now, what is that? path look like
1: so yeah i, I wrote uh, an article uh, called the greatest game um right. and it's worth because it lays out this path on, on on what happens by the way it's not a foregone conclusion i think there's a high high probability bitcoin i, I think it's unstoppable at this at this point but i understand all the fud and why that why people would want to try to stop it and and if you think about kind of attack vectors on, on Bitcoin, whether it's ESG and everything else, which are complete nonsense. We can go into those. Um, I understand the attack vectors for the centralization. Why, why there's a bunch of people in power that think that this is a really bad thing and it's not a bad thing. It is the best, but, a, but then I put on, how do you stop a technology that puts in empowerment in the hands of people? empowers people. It's pr- really hard to stop especially at the size of asset class it already is and how it's already built into the rails. So I I suspect the network effect that's happening on Bitcoin to uh, it, it, to to change a lot of people's views and and it it be a forcing function for what we talked about in the existing system over time early people on people coming on now and holding now or hodling now will get more of the share of the gains on that if you go distant into the future um into in into that uh, here's a question i'm often asked said well wouldn't you just create new winners new losers and it's interesting to think in a free market on bitcoin um the only way to hold Bitcoin is produce value for others. The only way to gain Bitcoin, right? So otherwise, so if you wanted to, to manipulate control, then by doing so, you're distributing your Bitcoin to it to others and you lose control. So, so, so it is, it's congruent to where technology is taking us, humanity, everything else in my mind. And I think, um, going through, all of the movements kind of they cuz we have a short-term bias, right? We all do. And we were a recency bias. And and so we'll look at okay, today it's inflation. Oh, yes, yeah, it's going to be inflation forever. The governments are doing this, China's doing this. It's going to be all over the map and I would expect volatility throughout this time and on the, on the way other side, way less volatility um in the and in, in the asset class. But I don't think there's anything governments can do to stop it at this point. I, um, I'm even cautious saying this on a podcast because I think about what I would try to do if I was desperate to stop it. I would try to make some other coin more po- popular. That I uh, that uh, that, uh, would that work. I, so 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 I, I I don't think we should dis. I th- don't think we should discount. How powerful the existing system is on our lives currency and, and 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 so so um I know a whole bunch of people in Bitcoin would not let it work <laughs> but but if 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 government went into ethereum thinking I could control this over time um and it ran up in price for some time in that th- that I don't think it would work. I, I think it would centralize again. I think that's exactly what would happen. But I understand. The, the, I would understand the rationale to try to find something I could centralize.
0: Do you have thoughts around proof of stake, proof of work, and kind of the centralization of proof of stake and just like the rich control?
1: That's why I think Bitcoin is the only system. That's actually why it's such an important thing for, for me right now. I'll sound like a fanatic or, or a zealot on, on this, but that's actually why it's so important. If you believe in open, free markets, I believe you have to do everything you can to make Bitcoin successful because I think it's the only thing that both has a scale and will be. De- and it can't be taken by governments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's potentially other coins that, that could be regulated faster, but it. it um, but Bitcoin it, both has a scale. So governments didn't see it fast enough. And now it's in the hands of a whole bunch of people.
0: Tens of millions. Tens of millions, millions. Million. exactly.
1: And, and so let's just k- take the downside of that. Tens of millions of people. Those people aren't going to give it up. And, it, and more and more people are kind of learning what we're talking about now and coming in and holding and, and holding. <laughs> and so, yes, there's a whole bunch of people trading. Yes, there's a whole bunch of people uh, that that are in and out and in and out, but the the hodlers and and people that are uh, holding Bitcoin and understand what we're 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 saying. I don't think uh, that is to ensure we get more people onto it for that reason. And you're going to have decentralization forever. You're going to have a currency that empowers human beings forever. Or I, I don't want to say forever. You have quantum, you could have a different change, but it, it 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 is, um, it is a it might be humanity's greatest invention, and I when when I say that, um, I know full well what people will say on Twitter and everything else when I when I look back and printing press and internet and internet yeah. and everything else, um, but we have a habit of building on top of other great inventions and the next greatest um and 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 so information creates more information and more error correction on that information and 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 this uh this is a huge breakthrough um i I think if you looked back at the printing press and that and the time of the printing press when it was invented people wouldn't have thought that was a great invention against other inventions at the time too so i think that's that that's the level this is playing at fixing money forever
0: you, you described ESG as kind of nonsense um, in terms of fiat currencies and and some of the goals. Describe a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: So, and and I, I want to be careful with nonsense because I'm in some companies and I, I'm, I'm chairman of three different companies that are doing a whole bunch in in um, less carbon or, or climate change and or, or so things or, that are involved in ESG. Things, things are things. exactly, but but not and uh, not uh not washing not greenwashing yeah. not but, not a uh, virtue uh, signaling exactly exa- exa- yeah. exactly real companies that that have created technology impact that that lowers cost and prodi- prodi- provides benefit uh, um so so and so there's an economic benefit to drive uh, drive and and so they're growing really some of these companies are growing really fast as a result and it's uh, exciting so it's not the cli I'm not a climate change denier and everything else. Um, but, um, but so why is it nonsense quite simply? And I haven't seen an answer for this. I ask it all the time. How do you solve climate change through an inflationary monetary system? And, and, and let's poke on that. So let's use some examples. So, you print a bunch of money you make house prices go up as a result so there's a whole bunch more jobs in building houses and there's a whole bunch more uh lumber needed to put so the entire economy right is is actually gamed to grow faster
2: mm-hmm.
1: to to emit more because you're devaluing money to be able to grow fat go grow faster
0: to so the environmental uh, negative it, side effect is a negative side effect of trying to grow faster, which is all rooted from the devaluation of money.
1: Can can you grow forever on a finite planet? Right. It, pretty simple, pretty simple equation. Yet, so why do the only people that believe we can do that are economists? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, so it, it's, it's, it's logical. Information can grow forever. Mm-hmm. And, and so in, as information essentially is information it's things become information you get more for less that's what's uh, th- that's what's happening it doesn't grow the same way that th- th- our our notion of growth is changing with with what's happening with uh technology um and and so or use oil so to and and let's let's so today we have new energy coming on through solar and battery uh, storage and so solar and storage, which is uh, the low, low, some of the lowest cost energy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is getting cheaper at 11% a year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for a long time, that took subsidies to try to drive an industry, to try to make it hit that, that point. And maybe you could argue today there's still some subsidies, but it's close to that tipping point. Where in some regions, it's the lowest cost energy without subsidies, um, and it's getting cheaper. And, and so as that's taking more of the energy infrastructure, and it'll, it'll, it drives down prices. So if energy is the number one input in everything else, and prices are being driven down, then why are oil prices seventy dollars a barrel or whatever? I haven't looked in the last a, a little bit, but why are oil? and they're seventy dollars a barrel because you've debased currency against oil and oil is um, is a scarce resource, mm-hmm. and so those will go up, making oil more profitable, driving exploration and toil and everything else. So, so and all of that was caused by printing more money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, it, it, anybody on your Podcast, reach out to me, find a way to put it on tweet Twitter how how an inflationary monetary policy is congruent with climate change um and I'd add debate you're that.
0: saying that uh it's impossible It's impossible for a inflationary monetary policy to be congruent with ESG goals and actually being serious about creating change in the environment
1: it, It's impossible mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it is absolutely so so when Does P- Bitcoin yeah. solve climate change? Yes, yeah, yes, it does, and it All does right, explain it's, that
0: because you, you and I both know. I've said this before as well, and people think that's a crazy statement. Well, so yeah, it, explain it, and
1: and and be, because it forces it, because it forces a free market, because it forces technology to allow technology to do its job and save you time and reduce prices, so you're not on a wheel racing, racing more and more more through a uh, to try to to like why do we work in the first place? Right. If you, if you, uh, and I'll go back to, but, but you're trying to work to be able to say, have security in your life and to have enough things when you retire. So you're going to work 60 years of your life to 50 years of your life to retire with hopefully enough to live the last 10 years of your life. All well knowing that the goalposts are moving the whole time trying to move further. So if you're in that environment, what would you do? You're gonna to try to take risks to get out of this, environment. you're gonna t- take, you might lever up a whole bunch of debt at the wrong time because central bank's policy is changed to be able to t- try to get off the treadmill because you know the goalposts are moving further and further away. So, so all of the incentives are aligned for everybody to do that to do that job. When we wouldn't need to in, an exi- in, in a different system, the system itself would, uh, uh, would, would fix that. But this system, that system, is also responsible for all the climate change, or for all the climate damage and environmental damage, because it requires more and more and more and more forever, um, and more things, more, more higher prices forever, or the system collapses. That's, it. And that's why I say it. that system collapses imminent anyways, mm-hmm. whether through climate, whether through centralization of, of government, whether through revolution, that that there is a system change coming. Bitcoin produces, I believe. And by the way, when I was going through Bitcoin, I was looking for anything else too. I was looking for anything that what could be a path to get to where technology is taking us um, that Uh, that is a plausible path and it and it's only bitcoin Mm -hmm. and so that um but that it because it it, it allows um, it allows for an equitable world it allows for the prices to fall you're not wasting your time on this treadmill and the externalities of that change means you get things for for less and it doesn't cause the same damage to the environment too if you're talking about esg
0: yeah when you think about the transition, is it the bad stuff has to happen in order to create the transition? Is there some sort of carrot that can be put out there of ESG or uh, dampening the wealth inequality gap or you know name your uh, kind of thing that people care about that Bitcoin does fix or solve, or is it just it doesn't matter and there has to be a blowing up of the, of the existing system. And and the example that I can only think of is like the burning of the boats. Yeah. Right. The whole example of when people would come to the United States or go looking for new land, uh, yeah, yeah. They would literally burn the boats because that means we're not going back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've got to make it work. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, is that some element of like the only way to actually make the new system successful, et cetera, is the burning of the boats? And that means the old system has to kind of have a catastrophic event?
1: It, it, again, it's going to have a catastrophe. It's had lots of catastrophic events. It's going to have catastrophic events. That's a for sure. But,
0: but when you say it, it has had catastrophic events, is 2008 financial crisis a catastrophic event in your eyes? Well,
1: it is because because of what it did to... Free markets, okay, right? It changed the rules. It essentially, it it's, uh, essentially it said there's no consequences um, for bad bets. If you're high enough in the if you're high enough on the ladder, there's no consequences for bad bets. If you're low on the ladder and you if you take too much of a loan, we're going to wipe you out. But if you're high enough, there's no consequence. That's what it said, mm-hmm. which is the same thing is happening today.
0: So uh, agreed. And the you know, the two things that I think you and I see eye to eye on for sure was during 2020, uh, one, you're bailing out bad businesses. They were bad capital allocators, they took risk they got caught. Uh, why are we giving them money, basically taking bad money and chasing, you know, even worse money? Uh, two was you can say you're handing out money to people all you want. I don't care if you're handing out a hundred dollars or twelve hundred dollars or whatever the number is. You're going to drastically increase prices that are completely offset and actually make it worse than handing the money out right and so um i, I think those types of things along with 2008 they're catastrophic in the sense that they have a material impact but the system still although maybe rocky although there's still kind of a cliff you know to run off of it's still here and so do we have to basically run off the cliff and have like the, the complete implosion of the system or can we actually just transition almost like it feels like you transitioned then i transitioned then square transition
1: yeah so that's actually why it's really important that you have individuals and lots of them acquiring bitcoin because the more individuals the 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 more peaceful the transition will be that's that's what you you want not hedge funds not everything else they're part of it they're going to play in the game but why we want a lot of think about the people most hurt by by the policies mm-hmm. Those are the people that are most in favor of the policies and many of them don't understand Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this essentially marketing or, or, or that that they're stuck in a CNBC, CNN a news flow uh, or, or Fox or anything else that they don't really see what's happening here. Mm hmm. Those are the people that need to see what's hap- happening here because because they're most hurt by this. They're, they're bearing the consequences uh, uh, of this. And so getting a lot more people on board there, um, I think is, is is it would be really important.
0: So that's probably one of the most important things you think is getting individuals around the world to acquire Bitcoin and hold their stake in the network. And that ultimately ends up being a very great defensive mechanism, uh, not only for Bitcoin and decentralization, but also for the lack of uh, kind of violent protest and revolution, it ultimately ushers in this peaceful transition. That's, I believe so. Yeah, one of the things that this reminds me of is, um, people always ask about uh, global reserve currency status. And an idea that's fascinated me now for a couple of years is every single currency that was the global reserve currency fell and was replaced happened through violent conflict. You have the global reserve currency as your country. I come, we fight, I win. I now install my currency as the global reserve currency and we move on with the world over and over and over again since the fall of Rome all the way through. Bitcoin is actually the first time where having the strongest defense makes you the most powerful in the world, right? When you move from an analog world of violent combat to a cyber world, having the stronger defense makes you the most powerful, not having the strongest offense. And so, if all of a sudden you have an impenetrable computer network that continues to rise, it doesn't matter how good anyone else's offense is; your defense is better, and therefore you're the strongest. And so, is it the first global reserve currency that ascends to that position without firing a bomb, a bullet? I, or I, I, I think that,
1: so. That's the hope. That is, that is the hope. Think about what the existing system's doing and look at the signposts of the existing system. One one mention, I just wanted to, to when you say bailouts for not bad capital allocators just think about the system first and think about what would you do as a ceo if you uh, had cash on your balance sheet and interest rates were negative or nearly negative you would spend that cash somewhere right you would acquire something you'd do something to be able to make sure you didn't hold cash on your balance sheet because the government essentially was saying we're penalizing you for holding cash mm-hmm. and if you in a free market if you hold cash and your other CEO doesn't, he levers uh, levers up, then you're not going to be the CEO for uh, for very long. So the incentives are designed to create the instability in the market, which then requires more bailouts when when yeah. the instability shows. Now now go back to the um, in the existing in the existing system. So what was it, the year? And I think until the 2013. The deal with China was U.S. buys China stuff. China buys uh, U.S. Treasury bonds. And then that ended in about 2013. Now, now U.S. doesn't have who finances the growing deficit and, and not enough people, not enough external financing. And then you're printing money to be able to to hold rate, rates down. Um, so where does China put that money? wouldn't it be a rational actor in a system that where are we're, we're, essentially, I'm, you're going to pay me back with devalued dollars. Where am I going to put my money? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think a rational actor would put their money into commodities that are needed for the transition to technology, like rare earth mines <laughs> and, and everything else. So if you look at through the lens of what other countries are doing and buying up assets, hard assets of things that are needed for the, uh, f- uh, for the transition, essentially things that can't be taken away from you, the uh, value you're ne- That's where you're so when you see the signposts, you certainly see the rhetoric build around the world, around, around evil empires <laughs> and everything else, all caused by, by money that doesn't work. Right. But, uh, but, uh, but rational actors in their own, in their own, uh, uh, uh my, what will one of those, uh, what will one of, uh, do you think we'll ever trust? I know for me, I know the answer. Um, will we ever trust a country's currency again as a reserve currency?
0: It's not even a country currency, just a currency that is manipulatable by people. Yeah, right? exa- exactly. <laughs> Will we
1: ever trust that again? And so that's what Bitcoin does. It removes the manipulation forever.
0: One of the questions I get that I want to end with is in a deflationary environment, when there is chaos, when there is uncertainty, when there is some sort of external event that provides a shock to the system, and you can't manipulate the currency, do you just allow the free market to correct and that kind of cleans it up? Or is there other things that people will be able to do? Right, because the whole idea is in the legacy system, the monetary policy manipulation is what the solution is. Whether it's good or bad, and yeah. that is the solution. If you take away that tool in the toolbox, what happens? Or do we just not have those events?
1: So, so at first we do, and people lever up. So look at Iceland in 2008. Greece kept on. Okay, we're gonna kick the can down the road. We need this. Iceland said, "You lent us the money on these terms. We're writing it off." And 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 their economy came back faster than anybody else uh, else because, because of that, because they took a hit and and, and and came back. That's what should ha- should happen. That's what should happen. Free market, self-correcting. free market, saw self correcting, and so so I don't think it's needed. I don't, I don't believe that, that you need this. I think if you created a transmission mechanism like this, now governments might peg currencies to this and still have a transmission mechanism. I don't think it would work long time uh, term if they if they ran their own currency on top of it, because that's what would happen. They would get further and further away and you'd have resets. Um, but, um, but from a, i I don't think it's needed. I think the free market would solve it, and the free market would solve it in a couple of ways. first, people would increase their savings rate to be able to take those take those shocks. They would make sure that, um and uh and when the shocks happened, people would be resilient and they would fi- find
0: ways faster through it yeah I tend to agree <laughs> <laughs> uh before I let you go um where can we send people to just learn more from you, right? So I know you've got the book. I know that you've done a bunch of content, but when you, when you meet somebody on the street and they say, Hey, you're an interesting guy, you've got some really interesting ideas. Where do you send them?
1: <laughs> I send them to you. I send them to Robert. I send them to Preston. Well,
0: we is- send them to you. So <laughs> perfect.
1: So th- th- that's the thing. Uh, this wasn't, I wrote the uh, book because it was, uh, the price uh, of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, because I cared about this problem I, and I cared a lot. So I did a lot of research and cared about the problem. And so I'll still write things and I'll put, I'll put them out. But I don't need to be, again, I didn't do it to be seen or anything else. Most of my time is actually in, in the businesses and everything else that I really, I really enjoy. So my perfect world, a whole bunch of other people take the mantle. And, and that's what the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is um there are some crazy smart people in this uh in this community and and if you have an important message uh, that that uh it'll be shared it'll be broadcast so i'd for for people uh you follow a lot of them pump but you do a, g- a great job here uh here and so do many of the others but i would just follow it for for people i would go into bitcoin twitter I would mm-hmm. follow a bunch of the the, the 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 top people and they'll point you to other top people because they're not trying to control all the thing to make themselves look good. Typically, they're trying to share the best information.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. Uh, and then people can buy the book uh, on any... Just Amazon's probably yeah, best, yeah. Amazon. Jeff Bezos taking all our money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, and then what is your Twitter account? Uh, at Jeff Booth. All right, thank you so much for doing this. I really oh, enjoyed awesome. it. And I think uh, everyone else learned a lot. So we'll have to do it again.
2: Yeah, okay, thanks.